Tonight's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Tonight, we bring you the true story of five polar explorers and their race against death. We call it the Diary of Captain Scott. So now, starring Ben Wright, here is tonight's suspense play, The Diary of Captain Scott. Wednesday, January the 18th, 1912. Camp 69. Temperature, minus 22 degrees. A.M., the South Pole. We have arrived, yes, but under very different circumstances from those expected. We have had a horrible day. Elation ran high all morning since we were nearing our goal and thought to be the first five men to reach the pole. But our hopes were dashed when Evans sighted a flag and a tent near the spot. The Norwegians have forestalled us and our first to get here. In the empty tent, under the name of their leader, Roald Amundsen, were listed the five men who were with him. It's a terrible disappointment, and I'm very sorry for my loyal companions. Ah, there's no doubt of it now. They did find an easier way up over the barrier. We thought as much back at Cape Armitage. Well, it's a rotten shame, men, and I'm sorry. Good Lord, Captain Scott, you've done everything you could. Well, there's more to do. More for all of us. 800 miles, as a matter of fact. Are you ready to start back, Evans? No, I can't think of a reason to stay in this miserable place. Is the sled ready, Oaks? A bit frozen in, I suppose. Yes, I meant. Wilson, do you vote to start? Oh, the faster the better, Captain. Well, Bowers, can you get a sight and start us off on course? Well, the sky's a bit overcast, but I think so. Yes, uh, I think I can. We'll go then as quickly as we can. A minute saved here will mean a minute more of comfort aboard the ship. January the 18th. Temperature minus 20. The moment of departure is here. It is impossible to collect our thoughts, since few of them are voiced. But I know that the same are with all of us. Can we pull the heavy sledge that great distance, 800 miles over trackless, windswept barrier and drift? Can we find the carefully arranged supply camps we left on our trail? Can we trust our navigation instruments? Can we survive? Night camp. Temperature minus 25.6. Came along well this afternoon for three hours. Then a rather dreary finish for the last hour and a half. Weather very curious. Snow clouds looking very dense and spoiling the light pass overhead from the sun. Dropping very minute crystals which absolutely spoil the surface. We had extremely heavy dragging and we were forced to stop when Wilson suddenly discovered that Evans' nose was frostbitten. There's no doubt that Evans is a good deal run down. His face and hand are badly blistered. Oaks, too. Now Bowers comes into the tent to report his last sighting. I can't get an accurate one with this guy. I, I don't like it. I don't like it either. What do you think it means? The weather's breaking up. I don't know, Oaks. How accurate was your sight, Bowers? I can't be sure. I should say that if we aren't on our line of march, that we're very close. A few points could be quite important. I know, but 
Our next camp is no more than seven miles. Well, that simply means that we're seven miles off schedule. I plan to be there tonight. I can go on, Captain. I feel better now. No, Evans, no. We'll stay the night and get up early in the morning. But we must have fewer delays. January the 21st. Temperature, minus 30.4. This morning, while freeing the sledge from ice, Evans slashed his hand. I'm afraid the poor chap is in for trouble. As wounds will not close in this cold, and we absolutely cannot spare the time to camp, as our rations are very low, as well as our fuel. January 28th, night camp, temperature minus 27. The miles continue to fall behind us, but with painful slowness. Our diet and with it our general condition has improved since finding our half-degree supply camp. Only 42 miles to the next one. But we are not without ailments. Oates is suffering from a very cold foot. Evans' hands and face are in a horrible state. And tonight, Wilson is suffering tortures from snow blindness. Mowers and I are the only ones without troubles at present. I wasn't helping, Captain. But I've got to rest anyway. I get dizzy. Don't sit down, Evans. Stay up on your feet. Can't we put him in the sleeping bag? Put him on the sled? No. I won't do that. We can pull him. I won't do it. If it's for the good of the rest of us, Evans, no. I'll stay here first. Then if it's an order. No. Not that kind of an order. I won't be dragged on by the rest of you. Uh, then you've got to come along. Seven or eight, four miles, Evans. Why don't we be stopping for some rest? And a hot meal. I'm not speaking of those miles. How many more seven miles are there? Let's cover these. How many more? Evans! I'll do the best I can. I'm sure of it, Evans. And everything will be all right. Yes, sir. All right. Now, there'll be hot food in a few more hours. Let's move on. February the 11th. Temperature minus 26.2. The worst day we have had during the trip and greatly owing to our own fault. We started our wretched service pulling on ski. The light was horrible. Dulled by fog, it made everything look fantastic. As we went on, the light grew worse. We found ourselves in pressure. Then came the fatal decision to steer east. The disturbance grew worse. And my spirits received a very rude shock. The farther we plunged ahead, the less possible it seemed that we could find a way out. We struggled until 9 p.m. and could do nothing more but make camp. There is no getting away from the fact that we are not pulling strong. Your eyes, Wilson, how are they? Better? I think. Uh, let me see. Yes, I think they are. Oh, Evans. 
On the bright side, we found another supply camp and have ten full days of provisions and have less than 70 miles of next camp. March the 1st, lunch. Very cold last night, minimum minus 41.5. And our fortunes have changed. At least the future looks brighter. Power's excellent navigating has kept us precisely on course. And on it we found an unexpected supply tent containing rations and a note addressed to me. The men at the Cape had taken it upon themselves to change plans for which we are very happy. The next camp, we expected only supplies, has been enlarged and manned. We are to be met there with dog sleds. At that point, our dragging days are finished. And only 24 and a half miles away. March the 2nd. Nightcap. All the elation of yesterday has been crushed. Misfortune rarely comes singly. This day we have suffered three distinct blows. First, through some oversight, our fuel oil supply is less than half of what it thought it was. Second, Titus Oates disclosed his feet. They show very bad indeed. They'll never be saved. Lastly, the weather has turned on us. Blizzard conditions are extreme. We are in a very tight place indeed. But none of us is despondent. Or at least none shows it. March the 10th. Things steadily going downhill. Midday. Minus 43. Blizzard still with us. Boats unable to go on, so I camped at noon. I've covered only 11 miles in the eight days past. Captain? Yes, sir. It's quite difficult to say this so without something heroic. I'm going to die, and I know it. No, you aren't, Oates, and you mustn't talk like that. Yes, you know I am, and I'm not afraid. Just stop that, Oates. I know what I'm saying, sir. The quicker it happens, the better. I'm not going to hold the rest of you back. I know I felt about poor Evans. He was holding us back, and I knew he was going to die. I was angry with him for keeping on as long as he did. Oates! What kind of talk is that, Oates? It's the truth, and I don't care. When he was holding us back, I knew there was no chance for him. I wanted him to die. I don't know what the rest of you are thinking, but that's what I was. Now I'm holding you back, and I won't have it. I want you to leave me. We'll not leave you, Oates. No, please, Captain, I'm not afraid. I'd really like to go, sir. I'm tired and it hurts, sir. I'd like to go to sleep and not wake up. I've no family to live like the rest of you here. We won't leave you, Oates. You know that. Just please, Captain. What if I did get through? There isn't a chance. What if I did? I'd have my feet cut off. I'd rather die than have it done. Please, Captain, I'm not thinking of anybody but myself. I, I want it that way. I'll get into my sleeping bag and I'll go to sleep. I, I'm not afraid I want to. We we can't do that, Oates, even if we agreed with you. We couldn't leave you. Please, Captain. You know I'm right, sir. All of you know. Please, Captain. Please, sir. Uh... 
16 or 17. I've lost track of dates, but I think the last is correct. Poor Titus Oates is gone. Should this journal be found, I want these facts recorded. This was his end. He woke in the morning yesterday. It was blowing a blizzard. He said, I'm just going outside. Shan't be long. He went out into the blizzard. And we have not seen him since. March 18, night camp. We are still about 14 miles away from the sledge camp, but still fortune presses. My right foot has gone. Two days ago, I was proud possessor of the best feet. Now one is gone. Companions are still confident of getting through. I don't know. We have the last fill of oil in our primus. This alone between us and first. March the 21st. Got within 11 miles of dog sledge camp yesterday, but blizzard forced us to lie up. We cannot move against it. Do not dare to leave the tent. They would surely die if we did. If conditions... Bob! Oh, Bob! Bob! Here I am, Bob. Here I am. Here I am, Bob, over here. Oh. I didn't see you. It's so nice in the sun, I thought I'd sit out for a bit. Yes, it is nice. Nothing like this at your precious South Pole. Well, nothing like this, no. Down there, even when the sun is high, it's always weak and diffused, you know. And because of the reflection from the ice from every side, there, there never is a definite shadow. It's always a, a number of shadows on any man or subject. I would say that your South Pole would drive anyone to insanity. Well, I think it has. And then, when it's low, the sun... There's a never-ending twilight that holds today and yesterday together for months instead of moments... I remember when we reached the pole, the endless white deserts undulating, but offering nothing to stop the frigid winds that sweep endlessly on. I think you love it. No, I hate it. Because five men marched to the pole, and they say they've conquered it. But they haven't. It will conquer them. You'll never go back, will you? No. I didn't want you to go, remember? I was afraid that you wouldn't come back. Do you remember when I said that? Oh, yes, yes, I remember. I laughed at you, didn't I? <laughs> I was such a coward. But I laughed and told you that I'd conquer it just for you. That I'd name a glacier for you. <laughs> and I asked you how a woman should act when a glacier is named after her. Well, I didn't name a glacier for you, but I... I thought of you, Kate. I thought and dreamed of you so often. It's important that you know that. Scott! Kate, I love you. And at this sacrifice... Scott! What? Oh, uh, yes. Mothers. Wilson. Dead. Oh. Wilson? Oh. Wilson. Is dead. the 29th. Since 
Since the 21st, Bowers and I, surviving Wilson, have had a continuous gale and blizzard from west-southwest and southwest. We had fuel to make two cups of tea apiece and bare food for two days on the 20th. Every day we've been ready to start for the dog sledge camp 11 miles away. But outside the door of the tent, it remains a scene of whirling drift. I do not think we can hope for any better things now. We shall stick it out to the end, but we are getting weaker, of course. And the end cannot be far. It seems a pity, but I do not think that I can write much more. This rough journal and our dead bodies must tell the story. formed by Captain Scott's comrades at the main depot at Cape Armitage, set out and found his body, along with that of Bowers and Wilson. Search was carried on for Oates and Evans, but they were never found. A great cairn was built at the site of Scott's final camp, a trivial monument to the courage of five men, and especially to the complete devotion to duty of Robert Falcon Scott, who, until his dying breath, continued to keep a record of the fatal journey. starred in tonight's presentation of The Diary of Captain Scott. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.